I love this quote I read years ago, and it basically says this, every new thing learned about God is a new reason for loving him. And it's true, you know, again, in our day and age, we have this sort of weird, I call it an illegitimate dichotomy between loving God and knowing God. And you get into circles where it's like, no, no, I just, I just want to know the Lord. I wanna... How do you know? How do you know someone without knowing about them? You know their character, their nature, the way they work, uh, being close to them. You know, I can think of my wife at times and be on the brink of tears as I think about what I know about her character and and her heart and who she is. Hey guys, quick question for you. In relation to the proper utilization of the hermeneutical and homiletical principles of biblical interpretation and preachifying, is it imperative that one possess higher exegetical skills, especially when dealing with the diverse theological and eschatological systems within the various genres of the biblical text? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought, because I wondered. Only when you're in southern states, though. <laughs> say that all in the southern accent, Oscar. <laughs> Thank you, I can't say it. In, in relation accent. to the proper utilization. Mike. I feel so good after... James Brown? Saying all that. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, was that a song? Yes, I feel good. I feel good. Oh, why did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. You set him up for that. Thank one, you. Right? I love to sing. I love to sing. E-e-e-ing. Do it then. <laughs> <laughs> There's the wheezing laugh. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I thought this was a phase, but as I mentioned before, the wheezing laugh. Ever since you became a grandfather. It's permanent. Yes. Your throat's degenerated. I think That's it is a, sigh, a sign of grandfatherhood. But yeah, guys, speaking of songs, today the song that comes to mind is What's Love Why Got though? to Do? Got to Do. How do you get that, that weird pitch, that tone that just makes me want <laughs> that's to not, That's not a tone. <laughs> I mean, it's... There's the wheeze. Oh, man. You've seen that I song so often to... that we're going to end up paying a royalty for it. <laughs> I need to get a medical procedure done for that wheeze. Who sings that song, by the way? Uh, I think it's, isn't it? No, not Diana Ross. What's her name? Um, Tina Turner? Tina Turner. Let's keep it that way. way. (laughs) Wait, Mike. Hey, did you guys just high five? Maybe. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. (laughs) Wait, Mark, what did you say about the tone that I use? What were you? Just whatever you're doing is just scaring the children. (laughs) (laughs) Stop the wheezing. Oh, man. Mark, what's wrong with my tone? What? <laughs> That's not a tone. Is you know, it sounds like a, an eighteen wheeler honking its horn. Just <laughs> get out of the road. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man, I'm really entertaining myself. Do you ever today. go back and listen to this? You may stop. <sighs> <laughs> hey, remember we had someone uh, write in and say, "I am a beautiful singer." So it was all I need. It was you. That's all I know. My wife would count. definitely not say that. <laughs> Did someone uh, really say that? Yes. Did you call them to repentance? <laughs> uh, I want to put them on my will, actually. They bless me so much. Well, guys, on the note of my beautiful song, today we are talking about how to fulfill the two greatest commandments. You guys don't even know what they are. I was just thinking if we should just say to people, um, fast forward like a minute and a half. <laughs> I think we say that every show. Yeah, just fast forward and you'll get what we're no, here for. People love this, you guys. That's why they listen. Uh, the two greatest commandments and uh, fulfilling them. That's what we're talking about today. Man, this has, for me, been a foundational part of my walk with the Lord. Because... 
these words came directly from Jesus. Of course, we know all of scripture is God-breathed. It's all God's word. But there's something to me that touches me in an especially deep way when it comes to those words in red. You know, I mean, these were the words that my Savior actually spoke when he walked the earth. So what do they mean to you? To you? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you what they mean to me, brother. Brother, brother. Mark twelve twenty-eight through 31. This is what we're talking about mm. today, guys. What, what is it, Ray? <laughs> Where uh, someone said, good master, da, 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 and Jesus, what's the greatest <laughs> commandments? And he gave them da, to da, him. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Wow, he actually cetera, knew this et cetera. one. Yeah, cetera, probably because you know the topic. But anyway, Mark twelve twenty eight through 31. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other, there is no other commandment greater than these. Do you have the following verses there or not? Yes. Could you read them to us? I think they're interesting. They make me smile. What? From what happened then, what the Pharisee then said to oh, him. Oh, oh, no, I, I, I thought. <clears throat> I think he said to him, you've answered well. And he's speaking to the creator of the universe. Uh, here you are, you get fired. Yeah, up. you know, I've always thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> you've answered well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so guys, this is a great topic for us to talk about. Because if there's anything that... <laughs> what, why did, now, why did that happen? Why did I lose my train of thought? Because the two of you looked up toward where I was looking. I well, we're interested this. to see again what, what is up there. It's obviously a vision. Old men will see visions, young men dream dreams. Oh, man. I need something, some kind of retribution for them when they <laughs> You do need a water Oscar. pistol. That's all you need. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's what I'll do. Oscar, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. I was spraying them to help them oh, keep okay. them on track. <laughs> yeah. Let's spray. So what were you saying? Is it was very interesting. No, I was saying that these the this is huge because if there's anything we as Christians should be doing, it's stepping back and asking ourselves, if Jesus said these are the two most important things that Christians can be doing, then how passionate should we be about exploring those more so that we can do them? He's saying that this these are the, the two greatest Well, wouldn't it be impossible to actually break the other commandments if you are taking care of those, right? So I'm not going to be lying to my neighbor, stealing from my neighbor, coveting anything about my neighbor. I'm not going to be committing adultery with my neighbor if I'm loving my neighbor as myself. And then you look at the other commandments, you know, to love God. I'm not going to be using his name in vain. I want to honor the Sabbath day. I want to not have any other gods, you know, before the true and living God. And I, I think that in reality, Everything is just summed up in the first commandment, because if I love God, I'm not going to be lying to my neighbor, because lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I'm not going to steal from my neighbor, because God is not a thief, and I want to honor him with that. I'm going to be content with my own wife, as Scripture commands me to be. And uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. So if you really break it all the way down to its true root, it's just loving God. And I'm able to love God because he first loved me, right? So... So the hippies had it right horizontally, but not vertically. That's, That's right. The way of yep. putting it, yeah. The well, and you can't love horizontally with people. You can't love people unless you look to God to understand what it means to love. And uh, Matthew twenty, I was looking at Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-six and forty, and verse forty 
says exactly that, which is all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. He's summarizing all of these laws that God has put before you ultimately are not just a laundry list of to-do. It's not a cosmic killjoy. It's a way of teaching us how to love, how to love God first and how to love people. And I love um, the fact that there's an image-bearing Imago Day. we've talked about this in previous podcasts, aspect to the two greatest commandments. Because when we love others, what we are doing is recognizing that they were created in God's image. And so when I love my neighbor, when I honor my neighbor, ultimately I'm honoring and loving the image bearing quality that they have in the way in which they reflect God, which means by dishonoring them or not loving them, I'm dishonoring God and not loving God. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, right. Comfort. Would you say that love is both an emotion and a choice? I was thinking of scripture where it says the older woman are to teach the younger woman to love their husbands. Mm. It's like choose to love your husbands and you show love by obedience. Yeah, and I want us to, to dive deeper into that and explore that. But to answer that question real quickly, Ray, yeah, you love can manifest itself in emotion, but it is not emotion. Right, and we'll we'll look at that in a little bit. First Corinthians thirteen of what love actually is, but I think love devoid of emotion also is problematic. So there there should be well, while it's not primarily that, there should be an animating element to it that that moves us, that has heat attached to it, you know, That's as good. well. But you know, we did an episode recently on hermeneutics and, and the importance of interpreting, interpretate properly, interpreting. Wow. What? What are you trying to say? Interpret that, Mark. <laughs> properly interpreting scripture. Yes. Yes. Right. Thank you. And I think it's important for us to to capture the context of this. You know, this scribe comes up to Jesus and he asks him this question. Now you have to remember that Jesus had cleansed the temple prior to this and the religious leaders were irate over that. I mean, you think about that, right? I mean, he was putting his finger on sort of the life stream of those religious leaders. That's controlling the people and the things that they would do in the temples and the, the things that they would sell. And it was, it was a whole sort of profiteering campaign, if you would. And so it says after that, they were seeking how to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And they were sending to him their protégés to go and trap him in something that he might say so that that they could have a foundation upon which to accuse him, right? Because it it was weird with the religious leaders back then because even though they they ruled over the people, they also had a fear of the people turning on them, right? So they always wanted to kind of play that balance. But I can imagine that this, this scribe was sent for the purpose of trying to set Jesus up. And I can imagine that in the midst of that, as scripture tells us that he spoke like no man spoke, he's Mm -hmm. listening to Jesus talk. And I I bet he jettisoned that setup question he had. I I mean, this is conjecture, but I can imagine that. And suddenly something burning in his own heart came to the surface. Remember, he was a scribe. and, And scribes, their whole life revolved around the law of God, right? They would transcribe it, they would interpret it, they would teach it. And so I could see him hearing Jesus talk and he's like, whoa, (laughs) this, this this is not normal. 
He's not like the typical religious leaders that are quoting other religious leaders. He's speaking from authority. And so he hits them with this question that I think was sincere from his own heart. It's like what? the temple guards. Remember, they were sent to arrest Jesus, came back and said, never a man spoke like yes, this Yes, exactly. Just oh, love to be there to, to, to see things like that. Yeah. And so he asked him this question, probably burning in his own heart. What's the most important thing I can do, to paraphrase it, by way of, of obeying God or pleasing God through keeping his commandments? And you think of what Jesus could have touched on, and yet he hits on these two things. And that is, you know, love God and love people. Love God and love people. And it's so simple, but as Oscar mentioned in Matthew, it, it makes it clear on these two commands, all the law and the prophets hang. Everything hangs on these. And it really makes sense when you think about it. If I truly love God, which means that I care for his glory, because remember in scripture, Jesus talked about, or uh, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, how you can do all these great things, right? Give your body up to be burned, sell all your possessions, and, and so forth. And he says, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. So you can do a bunch of things, but there's an, an, an indispensable element that must be present in order for love to be true love. And I believe that is genuine care toward the supposed object of your love. And so if you have genuine care toward God, that means you care for his glory and his honor and to magnify him and to please him. You're not going to be looking for loopholes in the law of Moses and you don't need to be micromanaged by the law of Moses in order for you to, to please God. You love God. So you're going you're gonna to do all you can not to get to the borderline of sin, but to please him with all your heart. And if you genuinely care about people, you're not going to look for ways that you can get out of you know, serving them, or you're not going to have impure motives to use them for your own ambitions. You're going to do everything you can to genuinely serve them. Yeah. Bless them. Does that make sense? Mm. You know, love is a verb, right? Love is an action. When we start talking about... It's also a bat- battlefield. Love is a battlefield. Who sung that? I have no idea. Is that Maybe a you'll song? sing it next time. Love is a battlefield. Oh, I got to learn that. I got to sing that. Why did I do this? Why are you guys pointing at each other? Uh, Ray tried to steal my notes. No, I looked at them. And well, I, I actually don't have much notes. It's this... It's not the way, much so noise. So thorough, Mark. Um, he just drew a noise. smiley face. Is, Look, there, is there anyone that gave Ray an example at any point of stealing notes? Yeah, you. Oscar wrote stuff on his notes Excuse sometimes me, in the past. But we forget what lies behind. Yeah. 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 Join the, the brats in a podcast. <laughs> so love is a verb. It's an action. When somebody says, I no longer love my wife, I'm no longer in love with him or her, uh, you, you have a misunderstanding of what love is, right? So love is giving somebody what they need, not necessarily what they want. So God does love us. He will always be committed to giving us what we need. The most unloving thing would be giving somebody what they always want, right? My two-year-old can say, Dad, I want to go play out in the middle of the freeway with a box of Jinsu knives. But that would not be very profitable, and it would demonstrate my, my lack of love for my child if I allow them to go out there and to do these things. So we continually have to ask ourselves, what, what is needed in this situation? And it's not necessarily to puff somebody up. It, it is to give them the Word of God. And we must always be quick to have that on our It's so supposed to be, lips. Mark, because you always let them play with the jujitsu knives at home. Jujitsu knives? <laughs> couldn't say it. That was, I was coming up to, oh, no. <laughs> you knew it was coming? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Okay. The Brazilian jujitsu knives. <laughs> the Gracie jujitsu knives. Oh, it sounded anti-Semitic, actually. Well, I yeah. do that. You know, I do that more and more now. Like, anytime I'm, I'm saying something, I 
it's a person's name I can't remember or it's a word. I just make up a word, Labansa Balafansusu or something. Legit, I know this is a side rant, but I apparently read a lot more than I have conversations with people because I will discover new words in a book and I'll think I'm saying them right in my head and then I'll walk out and I'll say them in, in person and people are like, that's not how you say that word. That happens to me all the time. And here's one of the most embarrassing ones. The? For the longest time, uh. I thought hyperbole was hyperbole. You did? No. 100% when I was younger. Uh. The first time I came across hyperbole, I read it in a book and I was like, oh, that's hyperbole. That's funny. That's interesting you say that actually because there, there are YouTube channels that help you pronounce words. I mean, any word you put into YouTube, there's probably a video. There's also ones that do it wrong. It. I know, you know. That's funny because yesterday I was looking up a word to, to see how it's pronounced, and there were different channels that had different. Oh, the? The, <laughs> the or the. Hey, Mark, yeah. that's legitimate. One of the things I think that we're tapping into is what does it mean to love? And I think it's important for us to recognize the scriptures give us a rich full understanding of love. And our American word love often falls short. I think we've talked about this before. Maybe I've heard you say it, which is it's interesting to think that I will use the same word to describe my pizza as I will to describe my wife. Yeah. I love pizza. <laughs> I love my you wife. Describe your love for your wife. <laughs> I love for my wife. I love my wife. I love pizza. Hi, pizza. How are you? <laughs> I love you. How I was your you. day, pizza? <laughs> Let me eat you. The point that I'm making here is that our English language falls short. We have such a flat way of describing it. Could you and explain that more clearly? You're talking about the difference in Greek and in sure. English. So, yeah. so yeah. the scriptures use at least four four different words for love. There is... is I've heard there are eight in the Greek. I said at least. That, well that makes me not well wrong. <laughs> so there's a type of romantic or sensual love, which Mark alluded to when a husband says, I don't love my wife anymore. That area of love might be diminished for a time. But there's also a brotherly love. There is a family love, and then there is the more, more common one is the gape love, which is actionable. It, it's the doing of things. So, so to use the spouse situation, simply because your romantic or sensual affection, quote, love for your spouse has fallen, does not mean that your agape or your family or your brotherly love, which is serving and committing and doing, falls short. And so the same thing comes to loving God. Sometimes we feel an affection for God. That just happened to you a moment ago in our last podcast when Mark was talking about the things of God. You were filled with that affection. But let's face it, we don't always feel an affectionable love for God, but that doesn't mean that we don't stop loving him in the way that we serve him, in the way that we obey him, in the way that we honor him. No. We have to do a full, rich, biblical love for both God and people. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at 
livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, so let's camp on that for a minute. Uh, loving God. You know, what, what does it mean to love God? Because that's thrown around so much. And it's not a light thing. You know, uh, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he who doesn't love him does not keep his commandments. You know, you, there's an interwoven theme all throughout scripture that interrelates the love of God with obedience to God. And that's huge, obeying God. You know, that's, a, that's become a draconian word in modern day evangelicalism. Draconian. Draconian. What Easiest was the other one I used the, the other day? Doesn't Replete matter. or something? Yeah, we're on <laughs> draconian. So it's, it's, it's draconian. You know, it, it's seen, seen as this defunct. Oh, oh man. Only one podcast. Word. No, no, we're, we're piling it up today. No, but really though, I mean, seriously, but here's the thing though. It's not just obedience. Right. It's glad obedience. First John, and this is love that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So Ray, comfort, talk about that. Oh, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, your law is written upon my heart. That's a sign that you're genuinely saved because there's something in you that doesn't push the vehicle. It drives the vehicle. It's a, it's a, a high octane fuel of love for God and gratitude all combined. And you're talking first John, hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So love isn't just words, it's deeds. It's doing what God says. And I even tell my dog that, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> and you know, and I get I get spoken to when I do that. If I love the Lord, I'll keep his commandments. And um, I don't know if I share this before, but I'll share it again. The thing that gets me being faithful in my witness, and I've, I've on my bike ridden past people, and I thought as I went past them, I should share the gospel with that guy, but I didn't like the look of him or whatever. And so I go past, and I've gone past like 200 yards when I've had the thought, and this isn't God speaking to me, but I imagine God saying this to me. Are you yawning easy? That was hidden behind the finger. <laughs> I imagine God saying this to me. There was a time when you do exactly what I ask you to do. Oh, I remember you telling me that before. Yeah, and, I, and that just cuts me down immediately. I just do a big U-turn straight away and go back, and I'm so pleased I have. And that's all tied into the, I, no one's making me do that. It's the love for God that causes me to want to do that. I want God's smile above all other things. So much of our understanding of this really comes from God's, God's way of communicating to us this type of relationship that we have with him. It's right in the scriptures, and he gives it to us which is a marriage. He gives us a marriage to understand our, our marriages to our wives, to understand the kind of love and relationship the church ought to have with Christ. And, um, and so talk about like, how do we love God? Also, loving God, a part of that is knowing God. And to know God is to spend time in his word. You know, you think about like a wife. If I, if I went to you easy and I was like, what what's your wife's favorite place to eat? And you're like, I don't know. What's your wife's hobby? What does she do? I don't know. What's her favorite book? I don't know. Who's her best friend? I have no idea. It wouldn't sound to me like you loved your wife. And if you did, you weren't doing a very good job of it. Wow. Or furthermore, to talk about what you just talked about, 
if someone's like, oh, should you actually say my name? Because Ray? the listener. Yes, yeah, true. And so, thinking, Ray, what you were just mentioning, <laughs> if my wife is like, oh, babe, can you help me with this thing? And I was like, oh, my wife's asking me to do something for her again. That doesn't sound like a love for our wives. One of, one of the most interesting books that was written in the 70s, I think, is The Stepford Wives. And it's, it's this story about these men who create a community and create these robotic wives. And these robotic wives are, they look exactly the way they want them to look. They act exactly the way they want them to look. All they're there to do is to serve the husband. And they don't ever talk back. They don't ever have any requests of their own. And I think so often the modern church treats God like a Stepford wife. We don't want to know him. We don't want to serve him. We just want him to serve us. We just want to make sure he's doing the things that we ask him to do and that he's treating us the way we want him to treat. Wow. You know, By the way, Oscar, ma- sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no. That's pronounced Stepford Wivies, just to correct <laughs> my, you, because I know you don't wivies. pronounce things. Yeah, Stepford Wivies. Go ahead, Ray. You made me smile because um, often I'll be editing a video that I know is going to get hundreds of thousands or even a million views, and it's so deeply spiritual and wonderful. And Sue says the chicken coop needs cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it, that's the test. What do mm. I do? No, this is too, I'm too busy. Or, you know, this is what you want. I'll do it. So yeah. uh, that, that really is a good point. The other thing too, is you're talking about people treating God um, in bad ways. Sound men in the church, no one knows who they even exist until something goes wrong. Yeah. You're in a church, everything's <laughs> going good. And suddenly, <laughs> Through the sound system, <laughs> everybody turns around, looks at the sound, and what are you, Dumbo? Fix that, you know. Uh, and they don't think of all the times things are going right. And that's exactly how humanity. I'm thinking, speaking thing of the world. They don't think of God. Everything's going wonderful because God's given them everything until something goes wrong. Then they shake their fist at God. Yeah. Why is this happening to me? Oh man, so that's true. why it's always good to commend sound men when things are going good. Sometimes I do that. We should have brought that up in the encouragement episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Encourage the sound guy. Great you job, mean, Scotty. Yeah, oh, yeah, Scotty. Scotty. yeah, good job, Scotty. We love you, Scotty. You're the best, Scotty. Uh, Oscar, you, you talked about how so important it is to know God, right? And that, that is a foundation for loving him and how you related that to you know our wives. It, it reminded me, you guys remember the new newlywed game back in the day Yeah, where, where they would ask you know, this isn't going to start you singing the theme, is it? Oh, uh, how did that go? <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure it was something like that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but no, boy, the, the, the fights that would break out on that show, you know, what? how do you not know that about me? You know, and, uh, but I love this quote I read years ago, and it basically says this, every new thing learned about God is a new reason for loving him. And it's true, you know, again, in our day and age, we have this sort of weird, I call it an illegitimate dichotomy between loving God and knowing God. And you get into circles where it's like, no, no, I just, I just want to know the Lord. I wanna... How do you know, how do you know someone without knowing about them? You know, their character, their nature, the way they work, uh, being close to them. You know, I can think of my wife at times and be on the brink of tears as I think about what I know about her character and, and her heart and who she is. A good litmus test to see how well you know the Lord is if you were on the spot and somebody said, hey, just talk to us about God for 10 minutes. Give us a 10-minute devo about the Lord, right? So we could easily talk about any one of our kids. 
We spend a lot of time with our kids or about with our wife or about any of you guys. I could talk about any of you guys for easily 10 minutes. That's just you do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but if, when you tell somebody, hey, we, give a 10-minute word about God and what you're learning, you know, what he's showing you inside the word and what you're studying, it's like clam. Yeah. There's nothing happening. Right. You know, it's just crickets. Nothing's able to take place. It's because of what we fill our time with and what we what we realize and what we recognize. I, I once asked a plumber, could you talk about plumbing for 10 minutes? And he said, well, of course. Could you talk about plumbing for two hours? And his response was, I could talk about plumbing for two weeks nonstop without repeating myself about all the different intricate details about plumbing. Tell me because who he is so I can avoid him. <laughs> because that's what I do for a job, for a living. Could you talk about the Lord for two weeks, right? You think of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts where he went on and on and on until somebody actually fell out a window in the middle of the night, interrupted his preaching because he had to go and raise this guy back up, right? He was just going on and on. We should be able to know so much about the Lord that we can just make him beautiful to the hearers and the listeners. The uh, lesson in that is make sure if you're a pastor, you keep a certain sermons as decent length unless you can raise the dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, I Not will often weeks. encourage people to um, write poetry to the Lord. Go, well, I'm not a good poet. Well, then just write it to the Lord, right? It's the, the Lord. We make joyful noises to the Lord. You know, it's been said that everybody should sing, but not everybody should be given a mic, Easy. right? So you should be able to. <laughs> now you know why I sing, to make joyful noises to the Lord. That's okay. And to no one else. Yeah. Right? And psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. That's right. Did you sing on a hill far away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if we write, if we sing a new song, we can, and Scripture encourages us to do so, to sing a new song unto the Lord. Psalm 40. To write poetry to the Lord, to hang out with the Lord in such a way where you're talking yet you're listening with pen in hand. You know, before GPS was ever a thing, if For Oscar... Listener, GPS is... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you figure if we go back in time, let's say 30 years ago, and I said, hey, Oscar, you want to come over to my house for dinner? He said, sure, where do you live? I give him the address. But more than that, he would say, I need directions. How do I get there? And then if he's really wanting to make sure he doesn't miss it, he's going to say, so how long am I on the freeway? How long am I on that road? All right, so one mile here, two miles that, and I'm going to make a left, begin to get over to the right-hand turn because you're going to begin to merge. He's going to be taking meticulous uh, notes on how to get to where he needs to be. Yeah. Well, we need to do that with the Lord. The Lord is always speaking through his word. We need to be ready with pen in hand, journal in hand, because we don't want to miss our destination spot. That's good. Mm. So write to the Lord, sing to the Lord. That's good. And you can share that with others. My first yeah. GPS experience, I was thinking to myself, lady, do you do this just for me or is it for everybody else? You know, <laughs> how many like, times have we told that lady to shut up? Too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, how do they, is, is someone watching from above, it's just, it's just when you think of it naturally, it's just mind-blowing. I mean, it can be described by a yeah. genius or intelligent people, but it, it is mind-blowing. Yeah, you know, Oscar was enlightened again today because for years he's been pronouncing it as GIPS, but it's GPS, <laughs> oh, just so you know, Oscar. Yeah, it's, it's GPS, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and look, isn't that what Jesus is saying here when, when he talks about how we're to love God? Do UPS use GPS? Uh, <laughs> oops. Ups. <laughs> the ups use gyps. The ups use the gyps. Um, 
Ray derailed me again. Oh, there I was. <laughs> and give him some directions. This is the, co- this is the derailing program. You and need that's your own what it GPS is. for what your notes are saying. Yeah, that's true. But here it is. Indicative of what Jesus said. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's an all-consuming love. That's what you're talking about, Mark. Like we need to be madly passionately in love with delirious, our God. Delirious, I think, is the word. Is what? Delirious yeah. and love for the Lord. You know, you think of like what, what it says in the Proverbs about a, a man and his wife to always be enraptured with her love, you know? And it's that concept of God is my everything. And we talked about it on a recent program where we talked about how we were designed for this. It's not mm. like some kind of a weird thing I got to do. I guess I'm not built that way. This is as... A part of our nature as breathing and eating are to love God. We were made to love God. And so it's so key. So, okay, so we love God through obedience, not just obedience, but glad obedience. By knowing him and through obedience. Yeah. And then notice what he says. The second like it, the second is like it is this, or, or it's like it, right? It's likened unto it, uh, which means what? Which means it's integrated with it. It's interrelated to it. And it is part and parcel with it. If you love God, you're going to love people. And I think this is the part that they have had a hard time with, even though the Old Testament referred to, right, having a love for your neighbor. But it was when he put it on par with loving God, that, that's what I think made it problematic for those religious leaders. Because it's easy to profess love for God. I love God. And you just say it, but with people, it's it's demonstrated through your actions and through sacrifice. Well, and I God's believe, easy to love; people aren't. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and and I believe that how it looks is it's you know meeting people through sacrificial service that is in keeping with what they need, and we've said it already. Not necessarily what they want. The Jews at the time did a really good job of loving and protecting and serving and sacrificing for their household. The way that they lived, you, you lived in almost like a compound likely, and, uh, and, and your, your cousins, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters, your wife, your children, all of you likely did something in business together, and all of you served one another in bringing food and caring for and et cetera, et cetera. So they did a really good job of loving their household. When Jesus says, love your neighbor, Neighbor is a whole nother category. Neighbor is orphan, is widow, the quintet of the vulnerable, which we brought up the other day. Neighbor can also mean enemy, the person who's not like you. And so when he said, love your neighbor, he was challenging to expand their willingness to sacrifice and to whom. And I think also for us to, to apply that to us, it's, it's, to realize that it is easy for me to love the three of you. You know, I, I, full confession, I had somebody cut me off one time, this is years ago, and I was frustrated. I felt entitled. That was my position. And then I realized it was a good friend of mine. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? Like all of a sudden I wasn't mad. It's so easy for me to love someone who's lovable. It's difficult for me to put myself second or last for someone who I don't find as lovable, who's someone who, to somebody who's less like me. But the challenge here 
in the integration that you put so well is in the fact that that person, the person that I find not as lovable, is just as much an image bearer as the person who I find lovable, as my friend or my pastor or my wife. And God challenges, calls us to love everyone equally, to show no partiality in that way. Yeah. And uh, isn't, aren't we talking about the Good Samaritan? Yeah, I just opened it up right here, Luke 10, right? And that, that's what led to that, because in that account, right, that the lawyer says, you know, you've right answer, uh, you've answered what? rightly and... <laughs> what? <laughs> Doesn't love overlook someone's frailties? <laughs> Not Mark's love. And you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, this is after Jesus said again, to love God, love your neighbor. Justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And right, that's where the good Samaritan. And we call him the good Samaritan. I mean, he wasn't good at all. He merely did the basic requirements of the law and loving his neighbor as much as he loved himself. Please stop the tape at this point and turn it over. (laughs) You know, the most loving thing we can do is share the gospel with our neighbor. You know, we make it as part of the requirement to graduate from the school of biblical evangelism to share the gospel with your two closest neighbors, one on either side. And you would be surprised at how many people come to us, write into us, will even call us and will say, no, they're a hermit. Oh, no, you don't understand this neighbor that I have. I don't have the ability. You don't have to share the gospel with them. But if you want to graduate, you do. <laughs> so you need to figure out a way to go over there and to be rich in good works. Can we say they have to go over or just toss a paper plane with the gospel written right, on it? Right, right over <laughs> the... We have a video about that. Uh, that's right. So sharing the gospel with our neighbor is the most loving thing that you can possibly do. Right. Love cannot stay silent. Yeah. Hey, that sounds like a good uh, oh, tagline for a movie. Uh, oh, that song. You, you thought Love of can't stay silent. What, right? Yeah, you you Kevin you thought of the title of that, didn't you? Uh, I thought of the subtitle, uh, yeah. "Love Can't Stay Silent." For yeah. those who don't know, we're the talking audacity. about our one and only feature film, "Audacity," and the subtitle to that is "Love Can't Stay Silent." And you can see it on YouTube. Yeah. It is for free to see on YouTube and livingwaters.com. And I'm absolutely surprised it's still up there. And we had a whole song Me written too. for it. That was a beautiful song, too. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. So yeah, loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we have no need for anyone really to teach us how to do that, do we? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so natural for us to do it. And not that it's negative. Obviously, there's self-preservation involved. So you're being in there. sarcastic. About what? <laughs> it's <laughs> come so easy to love our neighbors, much as we love ourselves. No, no, it comes so easy to love ourselves. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. is what I'm saying. Like, no one needs to teach us how to love ourselves. It's not my neighbor that I make a pot of coffee for when I wake up in the morning. Oscar would, but since it takes nine hours, he only has time for himself. <laughs> Worth it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not my neighbor whose teeth I brush. Hold on a second. Though he may need it. What? We were on vacation and I gave you coffee. And what did you do with it? Well, you if, poured it down the drain. If it was real coffee that After has flavored was cream, to clean or, the blockage of the drain. You should see me though. I was like putting it together. I did it all right. Idolatry. I poured it he into was the bowing cup of coffee, before the whole and thing. And I like handed it to him, half bowing, like <laughs> hoping that he'd enjoy it. And he just like lets it touch his lips, and then just pours it That's out. That's what into the you sink. do with motor oil, seven a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so, if in case you lost train of thought, you're talking about brushing your neighbor's teeth. Yeah, <laughs> even though you may need it, I don't do that. I don't save up for my neighbor's kids' college fund. I don't buy nice things to decorate my neighbor's house. You guys get the point. Like we know how to take care of ourselves. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, take what's natural to you and just turn the aim 
and aim it at, at your neighbor. Like yeah, We toss our neighbor's eggs regularly because we love them. <laughs> at their house. <laughs> but yeah, but, but sacrificial service, being willing. And, and isn't that what Jesus did? He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And no greater love has any man than this and to lay down his life for his friends. I mean, if that's the standard, if the standard is death, then what shouldn't we do, you know, for people? And it just takes that, that determination and that selflessness. And there are so many ways through which we can love people. A big way is through controlling ourselves to not react in the flesh. Because that's oftentimes our big mess up. Okay, you've provoked it. Just yesterday, I was going down Arkansas Street, which is opposite our ministry. And this woman backed out in front of me. And I thought she's going to stop. But she didn't. She just like, she kept on going. So you know what I did? Gave a little honk. I wished I hadn't done that because it stirred a bigger honk in her. She turned her big SUV around and chased me down the street. And and (laughs) I don't know what, I think she's probably saying, you're number one as she went past. (laughs) But I I was glad to turn left when she turned right. And I just said, oh God, please forgive me. It was reacting in the flesh, that little honk. And I wish I'd been... Loving her as much as I love myself, even though she didn't care about me, if I'd stopped and just waved her on, I would have felt so much better than give my little honk. That honk comes from selfishness. That happened to me on the freeway the day before yesterday. I like how we're all repenting and confessing. No, but mine is is a lot worse because I was driving and... I, I guess maybe I was on the phone, but maybe I wasn't driving fast enough. You know, I had my, my, my speakers on with, with talking to someone and someone drove up next to me and they, they wasn't honk. They put their horn on for at least 20 seconds oh. and were, were telling me I was number one for at least 20 <laughs> seconds. Seriously. I'm like, I had no idea what I did. Maybe I was just driving too slow, but something in me, that old gangster flat, I want like... I even accelerated just a little bit. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I wanted to drive Ram him, ram him. (laughs) And uh, because I told you guys, you know, back in the day when I was a new believer and I had uh, had people would tailgate me because I would drive 55 and I had those squirters on my back windshield wiper. (laughs) I had the back windshield. And and they were, the previous owner had them pointed out. And there were a few times I did the I hit the tailgate. Oh, well, it's yeah. like baptizing. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's oh, a weird, you know, I should have thought of so it like Mark, that. So, Mark, what rotten things have you done recently? <laughs> yeah, Mark. You know, honestly, when I drive, I try to just grab a lane and stick with it. That's kind of Brad Snow's motif. He's like, hey, I'm not in a hurry. So Brad's our graphic artist. Brilliant. Yeah. he. If you're in a hurry to get somewhere, you need to just leave earlier. Right, so find a good podcast like Living Waters, <laughs> like and Waters, just you know. begin to listen to it, and don't worry about and we'll it. Get let you me there. let me just while we're confessing, let me confess a hatred I have, or well, not a hatred, a disdain is for tailgaters, people yeah. that come up right behind you, usually in cars twice the size of mine. Now, remember, I'm driving a little Beetle, and just my existence is annoying from SUV. <laughs> it's really like a mosquito. That's true. Just being there. It's, and, and so, but they come right up behind, and I think, how arrogant. Come on, overtake me. It's arrogant that, that you so think, dangerous. if I slam my brakes on, you can stop, and you're risking my life. You're going to break my neck if you hit into me. Just overtake me. But yeah, so I try and get away from them. But sometimes I have <clears throat> touched my brakes just a little, ah. just to give them a little fright. And I usually regret doing that because there's so many people with guns in this country. Yeah, there's been times I, I, I face that temptation of someone tailgating you and then they move over to the other lane to speed up and box them in. 
It's the only, only people in Southern California who have driven the five or the 91 freeway will be able to relate to our conversation right now. Others oh. are like, I don't, this is like, I will say traffic in Southern California is one way that God will refine you. Well, yeah, you know, it's a to your knees. I, I've often said, I'm convinced after Legion left the drowning swine, they hovered over the 91 until it was well, built. They went to the they went to the goose at MacArthur Park first. <laughs> <laughs> There's the wheeze. <laughs> Tell us about the goose. Real quick. I was preaching first time at MacArthur Park when I first came over here. This is like 30 years ago. Most murderous place in Los Angeles. I was trying to get a crowd, stood up on my soapbox, and a goose came along and started peeking at my leg. And then it bit my leg and then jumped up on the soapbox and wouldn't get off. I'm not kidding. I was, it was just dangerous. On your soapbox? Yeah, on the soapbox. And, uh, and I remember writing in the book, it's in Out of the Comfort Zone. If you wonder where Legion went to after it left the pigs, it went to the goose at MacArthur Park. <laughs> She's still there. Yeah, so so that that's really the summation of it is we love people through sacrificial service in keeping sacrificial <laughs> service according to the attributes found in 1 Corinthians 13. That is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? All those attributes. It doesn't behave rudely. It's not provoked. It doesn't seek its own. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And most importantly, love never fails. So when we say to someone, I love you, we're saying, I have these attributes toward you unconditionally. And yet, how often do we say it and the actions aren't there? If you ever want to destroy your self-esteem, a stream. <laughs> What's happening? Um, it's coming back at me. It's a karma. Um, just take out the word love and put in your own name in First Corinthians. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and makes you just false. Yeah. Uh, I want to say for anybody who's listening to the podcast and might feel that, that prick or that condemnation that they have not loved their neighbor and that they have not loved God, or if they're like Ray and they break check people on the 91 freeway, <laughs> uh, the, the beauty of the gospel is that God knows us and has loved us and has made the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we could be made new, so that we can die to ourselves in the same way that Christ died on the cross, so that we can rise again in the same way that Jesus rose, so that we can be giving a new spirit to both love God and love people. Amen. And remember friends, we love him because he first loved us. God gave us an example, the greatest example of love, of sacrifice, and of commitment. Jesus modeled for us what it meant to love God. He was God, the son, the God man, God in human flesh. And he showed us how to perfectly love the father. He said, I always do that, right? Which pleases him. And then we have the example of loving one another all throughout scripture as well. And, and Christ showed us that in the way that he loved his disciples. And so may we follow that example and walk in his love. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all that we have on livingwaters.com, especially the Evidence Bible. That is a powerful tool that we know will encourage you. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, share this podcast with others. Give us your thoughts through podcast at livingwaters.com and make sure to join us here again next time. Thank you for joining us for this very loving Living Waters podcast. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali 
from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.